Hello, and welcome to Stern Chats. I'm Maya. And I'm Mark. Today is our Vets Week episode, and we'll be talking with a couple of veterans here at Stern. We'll be joined by MBA 2 Andy Herbert and MBA 1 Tommy Yeager to talk about their time in the military. Let's jump in. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to be here. Yeah, this is, this is cool. Thanks for having us. So just to start things off today, I'd love to know a little bit more about you guys. Um, Andy, let's start with you. Sure. So born and raised about 42 miles as the crow flies from lower Manhattan in a small beach town called Point Pleasant, New Jersey. I went to undergrad at Penn State, was an NRTC scholarship, Marine Option midshipman there, graduated, um, was activated in October of 2013, and then spent eight years on active duty in the Marine Corps. I was an artillery officer by trade, so first four years in Southern California with seven months in Okinawa, Japan, and then I spent my last four years in uh, the National Capital Region living in D.C. but working in Quantico, Virginia, doing a variety of roles for the Marine Corps Recruiting Command headquarters before coming to Stern. Cool. Yeah, I guess I, I, my turn now, huh? Uh, Tom Yeager, I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, kind of grew up on a in a suburb on the south side of Denver. Um, I, I went to West Point, graduated from West Point in, uh, in 2015, and then commissioned into the United States Army as an armor officer. So the, the way that I like to explain that to most people is just tanks. So everything involving tanks, maintaining, shooting, maneuvering tanks, what I did early on. And then at the end was kind of in a more of a headquarters role doing some like strategic and operational planning behind the scenes stuff. Um, decided it was time to get out and uh, ended up here at Stern, so super happy to be here. Yeah, and I, I'd love to hear more about that transition later, but I'm curious, you both just spoke about your backgrounds, a lot of differences, I'm sure some sim- similarities, um, but I guess I'm most curious what drove you to have a military career in the first place. Yeah, I think there's like kind of like a, a mix of ingredients, if you will, that baked that cake for me. Growing up, I was a, a massive history nerd, I still definitely am. Uh, you know, my mom will tell you, I would come home from school and put on Channel 60, which was the History Channel, and I think back then it was less Axemen and more, like, documentaries, um, actual history, if you will. So uh, I learned a lot about kind of World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korea, et cetera, um, and I was interested, and then I guess, you know, 9-11 happened, and there was definitely an impact in my community, um, friends and family as well. A lot of my family's from North Jersey, uh, so... That was like a, a, I was 10 years old at the time, definitely a defining moment for me that I was kind of like putting together things I was interested in. And then that happened. And even at 10, I kind of knew then that I wanted to serve. And I like to tell people when I go back and think about all the documentaries that uh, I watched and enjoyed, the Marine Corps always stood out for me. Um, They do a really good job with their branding and and their marketing. So that definitely helped. But uh, I think by the time I was 13, I wrote a career report on, on being a Marine Corps officer, and, and that was kind of the dream, and I was fortunate enough to do that for eight years. What about you, Tom? Semper Fi. <laughs> Semper Fi. Uh, so I, mine is way less cool than Andy. I kind of just, like, fell into it, honestly. Um, I, I played soccer growing up my whole life, and, uh, you know, get around that junior, senior time in high school, and you start getting recruited to go play uh, soccer, and Funny enough, like I'm from Colorado, so like the Air Force Academy is like right down the road. There's not a whole lot of Division One soccer programs in Colorado, and I ended up 
just getting recruited by the coach at at West Point to to play soccer there and at the time I didn't think it was all that any like anything that I really wanted to do uh my dad kind of like forced me to go out on a visit to go visit visit the school I wasn't really getting recruited by Air Force but had some other options kind of lined up but I went to West Point for a visit and just fell in love with it that weekend like it was like I got this super crazy feeling about like what where I was and what a what it meant to be at West Point and like just from there the 18 year old kid was mature enough to kind of like make that decision to go to West Point and realize I was going to kind of serve in the military afterwards so uh don't have a whole lot of like family history or anything like Andy has uh you know like I think I had some uncles that were like draft great uncles that were drafted into World War II but that's about it so I kind of just more so got like stumbled my way into it via soccer. Nice so both of you guys came here right after your time in active 2D can you talk about why you decided to come to an MBA right away instead of just going to get a job somewhere else? Oh, man, that's an interesting story for me. So I signed my resignation on February 27, 2020. And so you can imagine what happened within the three or four weeks after that. And I actually had second, third, almost you know, final round interviews at a company that I felt pretty strongly I was going to um, get an offer from into like a leadership development program. I had connections with one of the presidents of the company, and he was helping me through the process. Anyway, I felt good about it. You know, COVID happened and freezing stopped for that company. And this is a Fortune 250 big tech company. Hiring stopped for them as it did for almost everyone. And I kind of sat there looking at myself in the mirror going, what are you going to do now? And I had pretty good mentors, friends who had gotten out and transitioned already. And while talking to them about, hey, where should I look? What should I do? I wasn't ready to just pull my resignation and stay in the Marine Corps. I had made my decision on getting out. Um, people shepherded me kind of to an MBA program as like, hey, it's almost two years. You get to learn a lot. You get to figure out what you want to be when you grow up or at least what you want to be in the next couple of years. Um, and there's a great opportunity to take advantage of the network, the learning, the people you meet. And then it's almost like a slower transition, if you will. Because I've been a student before, and I wasn't at West Point, so I was at a, a public university, so I can kind of blend back in, I guess, if you will. But uh, I know what it feels like to do that. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can go to class again. And so I kind of took it as like a slower transition all the way out, if you will, into the business world. Um, so for me, like, it was kind of uh, COVID. I got lucky. I got, I got to stay an extra year on active duty through some mentors of mine in the Marine Corps. But um, yeah, it just kind of ended up being the thing that made the most sense as a result of, I'm so glad it kind of happened in this weird way, right? Like COVID was terrible and I don't wish to go through those years again, but um, if that never happened, I probably would end up at this company. I wouldn't be sitting here with you all. And I'm, I'm grateful that that at least came out of it. Why did so many people have pivotal life moments happen the week before know. COVID started? I don't know. I was, on, yeah, I was at a wedding the day that um, the DOD stopped everyone from doing anything, basically said, you're wow. not going anywhere. And they canceled the wedding the morning of in San Diego. And I had to fly back the next day. Yeah, wow. it's wild. Jeez. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I kind of ended up here. You have all, like, a bunch of buddies in the Army. And I was, like, honestly, so as West Point, you have to do five years in the military. And I didn't really have a great plan for myself at the five-year mark. I, you know, around the three to four-year mark, I, I kind of started to realize that this isn't, was, wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. Um, but I didn't really know what that meant outside of, uh, of the Army. And you have, like, buddies and, like, older friends, like some dudes I played soccer with at West Point who had made that transition or 
you know, had kind of made that decision that they were getting out earlier than I was. And, uh, like for whatever reason, I just like have a lot of buddies that ended up at like MBA programs. Um, so I kind of just started to like research it a little bit and had no clue what I wanted to do when I got out of the military. And so just by influence of, of some of those friends and, and I guess even mentors too, a little bit, um, just decided that this would be, you know, give myself two years to kind of like figure it out. An extra two years uh, can kind of be like a pretty tough time for vets when they get out. There's an overwhelming amount of resources uh, that that they do give us, but um, it's hard to really figure out what it is you want to do. And I just figured I'd give myself, you know, another two years to kind of like sort through that. And then there's all these programs too that kind of encourage veterans to go seek, you know, additional training, ease their transition and the, the VA is great with that stuff. So I just kind of doubled down on giving myself two years to figure it out. So that's kind of why I ended up here. It's a lot harder to get out than you think when you're in, right? Way harder. So yeah. Much more, like there's so much more th- than you even realize you need to do. Yeah. And the overwhelming amount of resources, like there's almost too much. <laughs> like I don't even, I didn't even know which one to choose. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to like sift through all that stuff. And then people like think just because you're a veteran, like it'll all fall into place. And like, it does not, it does not work that way. So got to put in some work. And so I figured this would be my starting point. So then you guys decided to get out, do an MBA. Why Stern? One of the conversations I had with someone was a Stern grad who I had known from my time at Camp Pendleton. Um, He was also an artillery officer, uh, we were in separate battalions with the same regiment, and his one of his best friends from the Naval Academy, football player, was my first executive officer who I was close with. You know, went to his wedding uh, like six months ago, kind of close. And um, I called him. I was like, "Hey, Jeff, you did this MBA thing at NYU. You know, tell me a little bit more about it." And again, like a stroke of luck, at the end of the conversation, he's like, "I'm going to connect you with MBA two there now." Who guy uh, graduated, Kale Walsh. Um, he goes, uh, I'm going to catch you with Kale. And then 20 minutes later, I get a text message from a friend, totally not connected to any of these people. He goes, how do you know Kale Walsh? I'm like, how, what do you, I don't know. I just got mentioned to him like 20 minutes ago. He's like, he just texted me asking if you're like a good guy, like how do you know each other, whatever. And this is one of my best friends in the Marine Corps. And so once my friend vouched for me, Kale kind of took me under his wing and that connection with Kale and then talking to other vets, you know, Natalie Ashbridge is one who comes to mind. Um, Tim Waters is another, like talking to the, some of the other vets who were involved in my journey, at least. Um, I just felt a much greater connection to them and then the greater Stern community, whereas some of the other schools that I looked at when I was interested in, um, I didn't feel the same level of like commitment from the members to like help people, like shepherd people through the process. And I even told my interviewer, you know, the IQ plus EQ thing can sound like kind of like a cheesy tagline for like every business school has their right. cheesy tagline. <laughs> right. Um, but I actually felt that EQ aspect like pretty strongly, like community building aspect pretty strongly. And coming from a community as tight as the Marine Corps, like I felt like drawn to that st- like style of, of like the environment, the academic environment they were they were creating. And so my number one was some other school. Don't worry about where it was or what it is. Um, and as soon as kind of I made those connections with Cal and some of the other people, I just kind of, it kind of made so much more sense to me to be back and kind of close to home and things like that. So plus I love New York. Who doesn't? I guess for me, it's it's going to pain me to say this because I know he's probably going to end up listening to this, but uh, like one of my best buds, uh, he was an armor officer, graduated from West Point together. He graduated this past May. Can I um, guess? Yeah, go Is ahead. Is it Bartek? Oh, yeah, of course. Bartek, <laughs> yeah. if you're listening, you're not that cool. <laughs> he, uh, 
he's really not that cool. Uh, I don't. I won't let it get to his head. But uh, <laughs> no. But yeah, Bart was, um, you know, one of those people who got out two years before I did, and um, kind of felt like he had this whole thing kind of figured out. So I really like leaned on him. Have a couple other friends at other programs. So like essentially, I just like applied to like all the programs where all my buddies are at, um, just so you could go hang out with them for at least a year or so. And then I know you know Bart has ended up stayed here in, in New York, but. It's a decent West Point presence here too, uh, which is pretty cool. Like uh, I went through, we call it Beast at West Point with Parker Callahan. He's an MBA too this year. Uh, he's like Parker's like literally the first person I met at West Point. It's like our basic training. I went through that with him. So um, there's just like there's a couple other people as well, um, but I think Bart just had like this like pretty profound influence on me and like ushered me through the whole process and I think he even had some like pull with admissions like I don't know if I belong here I keep saying that like (laughs) every day but like he's like the co-president of the the vets club and I don't think he would ever say it but I think that he you know I think he may have like helped pull a few strings or something to get me here which is just super cool but then I, I I think we would um it'd be a failure if we didn't mention like the Fertitta program too yeah um it's like the most incredible, like it's, it, it's the only program of its kind in the country for sure. Uh, like that, that not only the scholarship, but like the ability to come in and, and meet people that are like you going through the same thing. And then also, um, taking a couple classes so that your first fall, which is the busiest fall, which I'm going through right now, learning quickly, uh, lighten the load a little bit there so you can focus on it, um, is like I, I don't I can't even like explain how amazing it is uh, when like comparing it to like some of these other schools and stuff. One of a kind opportunity. Like it's also like the Fertitta program, like everyone comes in and, you know, Mark, different experience. Obviously, you had transitioned out a little bit earlier. And there's a, three or four of you that I think had done that. But for the vast majority of us coming into the Fertitta program, you know, we were leaving the military, some of us days prior, weeks prior, coming to New York City for some people who have never been here before. And spending a month together, not only in the classroom, but, you know, doing everything together outside the classroom, getting together to go to happy hours, um, studying, doing, you know, going to Yankee games. <laughs> I wouldn't say Met games because I, <laughs> why would you go to a Met game? Um, but doing things together as veterans also transitioning together, such a huge leg up, at least for me, in that transition moment. Like, when the whole school showed up and orientation started, we all kind of got dispersed among the blocks and... Even though we had split up, I had two or three other veterans in my block who I felt comfortable at the end of the day, like first day of orientation, like going sitting next to and them, yeah, yeah, relying on them <laughs> yeah. and then being like, I know you already. Like I'm gonna go sit over there, but knowing in the back of my mind if like this doesn't go well, I can go back to, <laughs> you know, Phil or whatever, whoever else I had, you know, in my block. Um, that was huge. Like that as in terms of transition, like going through a transition like getting out of the military, which can be difficult for different reasons for different people. That was great to have and rely on. So, like, yeah, 100% agree with that. Fertitta program is absolute game changer and a separator for Stern, I think, amongst all the other business schools. Yeah, the, the point you mentioned about, like, the instant friends that you kind of get through the summer, like, it it kind of, it, it's totally true. I was, like, we were in a thing with Columbia, like, it was virtual, but, like, none of those dudes know each other. None of the vets are, like, female vets or guys. None of them know each other because they, they don't have this experience, and it's kind of, like, hard to figure that out, like, during the year and stuff just because – you hit the ground running, but it's like super, you have this home base that Stern kind of gives you, which is, I think, super important for us, which is really cool. I think you just did their marketing job. Yeah. <laughs> you should clip this for an ad. Yeah, you should, hear, not, you, you yeah, should yeah. hear me on a recruiting calls, like admissions <laughs> oh, calls. Yeah. I, I am I'm the best. No, I, I have to say that as a non-vet, 
coming to Stern, I was surprised at the number of vets that there were in the program um, and the camaraderie. And I was honestly so excited to meet all of you and talk to you because for some reason in my own life, pre-Stern, I hadn't really met a lot of active um, duty or vets. Um, And so I'm sure I had some preconceived notions of who I was meeting. And so that leads me into my next question, which is, what what are some preconceived notions that you guys have experienced by other students at Stern or outside of Stern? Um, because I'm sure that I've been guilty of having those those thoughts too, and so I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely not alone. Um, in my previous job working for the Marine Corps in, in the recruiting command, I spent my last um, year as um, well, my last three years, I guess, two of those years in the marketing communications department. So working on um, connecting our message to to the, you know, recruitable population in the United States, but also my last year I was a legislative assistant um, for the command to Congress, so responding to congressional inquiries and things like that. And we talk a lot about how there is a divide amongst um, the military veterans and the rest of the population, and it's getting greater. It's been getting greater for basically since the advent of the all-volunteer force in 1974, I believe. And so um, you're thoughts, you know, preconceived notions are not foreign to people who just, for whatever reason, you um, didn't have an opportunity to have a family member join the military or a friend or, or anything like that. Um, I think Stern, again, maybe this is because they harp so much on EQ. Like, I never felt like anyone give me anything weird. Yeah, or, I feel the same. I feel pretty accepted right away. I will say, like, there, there has been moments where people are like, oh, like, have you been to combat? And for me, that answer is no. Um, Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and granted, if we had this conversation 10 years ago, there'd be a 90-plus percent chance that that answer would be yes for both of us, um, being as he was an armor officer, so I was an artillery officer. But um, I think it's just one of those instances where um, it's our job as vets to kind of do our best to educate through just being around and having normal conversations. And I tell people all the time, like, you can ask me any question you want. It's not going to offend me. I'm much more rather, like, have the conversation with you and, and tell you about my service or explain maybe, you know, Tommy's service to the best that I know what is or Mark's service to the best what I know Mark's is um, because we have such vast different experiences and we're not, you know, it's not kind of cookie cutter. So I've definitely wrong. Like, I've been asked, like, weird questions, like, at a happy hour, too. Like, someone asked if I've ever, like, killed someone. I'm like... Please don't ever ask anyone. Oh, God. Don't, <laughs> ever ask, don't ever ask. Don't ask. It. Uh, like, please don't. Um, yeah. Luckily, no for me. That answer is no. Yeah. Um, thank God. I have never been put in that situation. But um, please don't do that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just I've been fortunate. I think here I haven't experienced anything negative. And I think most of the country it's kind of been like that. If you look at um, how veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan have been received versus, um, you know, Vietnam or, or you know some of the conflicts in the 80s, it's a little different. No, I think just kind of like build on that a little bit as well. Like I, like Andy said, I, I've only been out of the military since July, so it's only been like three or four months, um, and like my whole life is kind of um, revolved around being at Stern. So I, I haven't had any bad interactions yet, genuinely. Like no one has like said anything or asked anything that like, you know, is kind of off-putting. So like just to kind of like build on the EQ thing, like I think Stern does a great job of that, and. I don't think anybody has any preconceived notions about me. If they do, like they haven't, like I haven't been able to like tell or anything. So, and again, like being out of the military for me is so fresh. Like the people I hung out with 
the people I went to work with, like everybody was in the military. So like your life kind of just like evolves around that. So I'm still like new to this, like not being around that specific type of person. So I'm like learning as time goes on, but I, I genuinely have not had any like re- interactions with anybody where I felt like there were some, there was some sort of like preconceived notion about it. You kind of get warned about it, especially being like in New York, but, um, it's been totally fine. And I've actually been like super pleased and it's really fun to just meet like different people that are not, did not do the same things that I've done for the last seven years. So pretty cool. No, I've, I've learned so much. And for me, it was maybe more of an ignorance of just the breadth and depth of the kinds of jobs you could do in the military. And I've just been amazed at how different all of your experiences have been. So thank you for talking to me and answering all my dumb yeah. questions. <laughs> no, they're not dumb. No, we, yeah. We, I think we know more than anyone that what we do happens in the silo of life especially as people kind of pushed aside the fact that we were at war for 20 years. General Mattis said, uh, America, you know, America's not at war. America's at the mall. The Marine Corps is at, the, is at war. It's kind of like, <laughs> um, it was true, though, for a long time. Yeah. People kind of just forgot. So they kind of pushed us a, a little bit away in their minds. So when you get those you know, questions, I'm more than happy to, to answer them for anyone, really. It's funny, too. Like, I think the majority of uh, the guys that I'm that are here like MBA ones with me graduating 2024, like the majority of them probably haven't been to combat. There's probably been, you know, there's probably a few. So like basically since 2015, I'm, I think I'm one of the older guys, like the war has like died down a lot. There hasn't been a whole lot going on over there. I think that would be like the one thing is like, Oh, they just all think that we're like, you know, we've been to war and done all these crazy things, but like, that's just not, not necessarily the, the case uh, anymore, which is um, a good thing. I've had cool experiences. It just wasn't. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I was like, going to say. It's like, just because we weren't in combat doesn't mean we yeah, weren't away. Yeah. Right. No. Like, Andy, you were in Japan. Yeah. Oh, my time in Japan is one of like the mo- more influential moments in my life for sure. Um, first time really out of the country, short of Mexico <laughs> or Canada for spring break. If I don't think that counts. Um, but I, so in 2016, I deployed. Deployed in quotation marks. Yeah, I have one of those too. Yeah, um, to Okinawa, Japan, small island, um, part of the Ryukyu Island chain, uh, south of Japan. It's actually closer to like Taiwan and China than it is um, to mainland Japan. I'm pretty sure. And um, I was a uh, liaison officer for my unit. Uh, I was in a rocket artillery unit. So the Marine Corps now they have more active duty battalions, but at the time they had one single active duty rocket battalion which I was a part of, and um, this was the second time the Marine Corps had rotated uh, rocket artillery into that area of the world. The Army had always done it uh, on the peninsula, the Korean peninsula, but the Marine Corps never never had. So I had an opportunity to go over there, and you know, it's great consulting, uh, you know, why consulting answer, if you will, because um, <laughs> my job was to really go sell rocket artillery, Marine Corps rocket artillery, to the colonels, generals of um, not only the Marine Corps in the area, the Army, as well as our South Korean and Japanese allies, like get them comfortable with what we were trying to do. Um, I worked really closely with the Air Force, um, transporting our launchers in the back of their airplanes um, and doing some special forces stuff with them. I'm not special forces, but their pilots support the special forces. We know um, you're not. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so it was re- really cool, really influential it was the first time I experienced other cultures in that way. I lived, you know, on a base right outside of a small Japanese town. And for dinner, you'd walk out out of the gate into town and you'd be in Okinawa. And 
that was like a cool opportunity for me to just kind of like, you know, I always had the ugly American in the back of my brain. Great book, by the way. But I always had the ugly American in the back of my brain of like being the guy who walks into a restaurant and, you know, they're yelling, Gaijin, Gaijin, and like, get out of here. Um, never had that issue. Um, I tried my best to learn about the culture. Uh, you know, I, I could say like five Japanese sayings. Um, and I spent time in Tokyo, Taiwan, South Korea, Sapporo. I went snowboarding in Hakuba. It was great. And like without that, like that's like a big part of like I think one of the reasons I felt so comfortable even like applying to Stern because it was like breaking out of the mold again for a little while, putting myself in a totally new environment. And, you know, yeah, I had I shaved my face and I had a Marine Corps haircut every week, but um, I traveled by myself a lot and tried to just do my best to blend in and not be like a, a military guy in Japan. And, um, you know, I, I look back on that as like such a huge influential like point of my life to like just even accepting and learning about other people and cultures and things like that. Where'd you go, Tommy? I was over in Korea for yeah. seven months, end of 2016 to the like middle of 2017. When were you over in Japan? 16 to 17, yeah. All right, yeah. So we Hong, were... I did Hong Kong for New Year's. It was awesome. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was in, no, I did seven months in South Korea. Um, and it was like my first assignment. Like I had just, just gotten to Fort Riley at the time. And like three weeks later, I was on a plane. So I was like 23 years old, like headed over to foreign country. Same thing. I'd never been outside the United States really other than Mexico and Canada. And back, that that was an interesting time, too, because that was back when, like, President Trump yep. and Kim Jong-un were, like, yep. having a massive war of words. And, like, it was, like, missile testing, like, crazy sirens going off every now and then. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of yeah. – it was – and I was, like, way up north, like, pretty close to the border. I mean, my my friends, when they hear this, I'm like, oh, cool, dude. Yeah, like, you, oh. <laughs> oh, you're making it sound like it was this super – which, like, it was and it wasn't. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was crazy. It was, like – you know, if it goes down, hey, you're going to cross this bridge and we're going to blow the bridge and then uh, you're going to protect these launchers. Best of luck to you. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm like 23 years old. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? Yeah, we, we will like competitively against each other. Like be like, oh, you didn't do, like I didn't do anything for the seven months in, in Japan compared to like my buddies who were in Iraq or Syria at the time and Afghanistan. Like Tom would say the same thing. But like in reality, if, you know, that was when Trump got inaugurated, there was a lot going on. Yeah between him and, and KJU and like if something went down like I was looking I was I was like oh, I'm, I'm this is it like if something goes down this is it <laughs> you're a if, speed bump you don't yeah you, <laughs> hold you them off as long as you, you can you, so we you can don't get everybody know, else over there. right like um you didn't we didn't know what Trump was gonna do in response oh, or what KJU was gonna do in response yeah, so crazy. It was a little weird a little funny I was in some interesting meetings I think yeah looking back but mm -hmm. we made it we made it <laughs> We made it. You're here to tell the tale on yeah. Stern Chats. Yeah. So I'm curious. It sounds like your deployments were some of the highlights or m most interesting parts of um, your service. What What was the most difficult? Leading Marines. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, right. And I'm sure the same for yeah. you, soldiers. Um, the United States military takes uh, men and women from the age of 18 to, I think, the for the Marine Corps, the vast majority is ages of 18 to 21. Um, puts them through training from all over and then sends them to their units. And then they take 22, 23-year-old lieutenants, pair them up with 28-year-old uh, staff, non-commissioned officers, and say, you're in charge. And um, you're everything from mom and dad to counselor to you know, sometimes judge and, and jury on everything that they do. 
looking back, that is the most difficult thing. It's the most rewarding thing. Yeah. It's my favorite part about it. Um, you know, Marines, having Marines say thank you for little things like helping them get uh, college credit or college degree, associate's degrees, like just by being like, hey, go ahead and take an hour off early and go do your class. Like little things like that that go the long way. And um, you get to see them turn around and like, sir, I got my associates today. And I'm the first one in my family to even get an associate's degree. Uh, for a lot of like people who come from places where high school and college is the um, pipeline, and that kind of just happens with a snap of a finger, for a lot of these kids who join the military, that's not the case. And so um, most difficult would be leading them through anything, uh, even having to punish them uh, when they you know do something wrong. Um, but it's also the most rewarding thing for sure. Yeah, I'd say leading soldiers as well. Like Annie's talking these like 18 to 22-year-old kids that, that join the Army. The Army or like the military in general, doesn't matter which, which branch you do, it can be like an amazing opportunity for people, but it can also just be like a a means to an end where um, it's like sometimes it's like the, one of the hardest things that I found was just like motivating people that didn't really want to be motivated or didn't really want to be there, just kind of there to collect a check for the most part, but um, figuring out a way to get them to like buy into what it is that you're trying to do is like pretty cool, but it's also very, very difficult. And I think the obvious answer with that as well is just like being away for long periods of time, right? I did seven and a half months in Korea, NTC rotation for like 45 days, which is like a training you do out in the desert of California, all the field time, like being able to like manage like all your relationships and your friends and stuff like it can become kind of difficult. So I'd say that that would just be the other part of it. But yeah, the the, the cool answer is leading leading uh, 18 year old kids that need some sort of direction or need some sort of help. It's pretty cool. It can change lives. Yeah, I mean, I have I spent the last two weeks doing letters of recommendation for one of my Marines who yeah. was going to get out of the Marine Corps, go back home to Chula Vista, California. He's the son of a single mother, Mexican-American immigrant. Um, like, she came over here with him in, in her belly, and he was just going to go back to community college. And it's not, Chula Vista, like, it's not a nice part of San Diego. Um, and he was just going to go back into the old kind of way of things, and I convinced him to apply to schools. He went to UPenn undergrad and uh, spent a couple years doing legal work. Um, he was like a pre-law, a couple years doing legal work at Goldman Sachs in Dallas, and now he's applying to law school. And so getting him to text me, he, he calls me Andrew now, which makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> hey, Andrew, I'm like, Javier, you can call me Andy at least, please. Um, but getting, you know, helping him go through that process and like, th- like that makes it all worth it. You know, convincing him like, hey, you can do this. You can go to an Ivy League school. I've seen you do the work you do here you're smart enough, I'll help you, just need you to be able, to, like, willing to put in the effort, and he was more than willing to put in the effort. Um, that makes it all worth it, I think, mm-hmm. at the end. The downside of the podcast is you can't see me beaming at that story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's some known and maybe unknown rivalries between the different branches of the military. Give me the lowdown. What, what, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, so I, as a member of the United States Marine Corps, which is, um, as far as entry-level service jobs, things to do, the most difficult. We have the longest boot camp. Um, we're known as, you know, the hardest physical fitness tests. Um, I guess you could say we're kind of the the badasses, if you will. No, uh, I think the competition definitely starts there with the branches, but 
the Marine Corps Officer Corps is made up of people. Um, there's three ways to do it. One of those ways is to go to the, Na- the Naval Academy. So I have a ton of friends who are Naval Academy graduates. That was actually for a, a long time my, my first uh, first school choice, if you will, of undergrad. I'm colorblind now, so I got disqualified. Um, red green nah, color deficiency. You just weren't cut out for it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, literally, best worst day of my life when I found out because I ended up going to Penn State. Thank God. But um, okay, I'm jealous of that experience. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, there's definitely some inter-service rivalry, especially like between so like Marine Corps infantry and Army infantry, Marine Corps and artillery, Army artillery, because we do the same job, just like like at its fundamental core, we just like apply it in different ways. Different, um, yeah. Because you know, Army is big Army, the Marine Corps is a lot smaller um, by like magnitude of. We're like, a bodies we, organization. You guys are like hundred plus thousand numbers. people. Yeah. Like, I think you guys are like wow. a million two or a million yeah. four. Yeah, if you like uh, add all the, yeah. the guard, the reserve, yeah. the active. The Army's huge, and the Marine Corps is like 180. I think we're trying to get down like 170, something like that, um, thousand people. So vast differences there. So competitive there, and then you got old Army-Navy yeah. every year. Marines are super poor, too. I always like to make fun of my Marine friends just saying, like, <laughs> you guys can't afford to, like, have your own schools. You guys have to mooch off the yeah, Army. I went to an stuff. Army school yeah. uh, for six months yep. to learn how to be an artilleryman. Same with the tankers. They the all tankers, have to come. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we don't have the money because <laughs> the Marine Corps is part of the Department of the Navy. Uh, and as a subset of the Navy, the Navy basically divvies out their budget. And so we always get, like, the scraps. Scraps, whatever's left, yeah. We get the scraps, left. yeah. They make the most of it. Marines are solid. Like, I would take... I would take most Marines over most of the soldiers that I work with, for sure. Hell They're yeah. very prideful. No, I know. That's that's probably going to be not well yeah, taken, but go. Marines are, like, at, at, like, the base level, just way higher caliber, in my opinion. I think we're able to do that because of our size. Yeah. We're able more to be, selective. We're able to be more selective. Yeah. We're able to put um, more time into our training. Our, our officers spend six months learning how to be Marine officers before they learn their job. So, like, the baseline Marine Corps officer uh, all goes to the basic school in Quantico for six months. The Army doesn't do that. They spend, like, four weeks and then learn their job. So there's definitely a leg up um, in terms of like just maturation process, learning how to be an officer in the military, uh, in the Marine Corps, because we can. We're smaller. We're able to focus a little bit more on it, be more selective. And, you know, our attrition rates are a little uh, higher because, again, we can. Whereas the army can't afford that because they need, it's a body's organization. They need the full space. So, no. And then you, yeah, we've got the the army navy rivalry, and then air force the the redheaded stepchild of the of the three. Um, so like that's big. I think we're, we're yeah, army's playing air force next weekend, I believe, in football. That's down in Dallas. That's like pretty fun. And then army navy is always it's the only football game that is played. Um, that weekend in December, it's the second weekend in December and try to go to as many of those as possible. So like, there's like, uh, you know, just inherent competition when it comes to, to that stuff as yeah, well. I'll plug that. If anyone listening has it's never been best. to an Army Navy game, like, there's nothing like it. Find a friend who is a vet yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who can help you out, navigate the experience. But, um, you know, come talk to us, come talk to the MVC. There's tons of West Pointers, a few academy grads. Oh, yeah. Um, it's one of the coolest experiences. I think I've been to five in my life. I will also sh- give a shout-out to uh, the Space Force because that's the, the new frontier, if you will. <laughs> but I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't give uh, the Coast Guard a plug. Mark knows this. I'm a big fan of Coasties. 
Um, I think they do their job every day. I grew up near a Coast Guard station in Jersey, and I think they do their job every day. I think it's remarkable, even though their Department of Homeland Security, you know, the what do they get? Puddle jumpers? What do we call it? Puddle pirates. Puddle pirates. <laughs> Puddle pirates. Puddle pirates. <laughs> but they do their job every day, and I think that's uh, there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, we the, got the things they do. So. We got one in our class too. PJ, yeah. he's a great dude. Uh, but yeah, Army Navy is like the best experience. I think I've been to four against my own will just because I was at the school and I had to go. And then like between just not being able to two or three, I, I don't know, I'd have to think about it, but two or three games and every time it's like my wife doesn't like football, but like she will she will go to that game and have the, the time of her life. Doesn't even understand like how the game is really played, but um, she loves going to that game and so it's it's literally for anyone. It, you don't even have to be a sports fan. It's just the the environment is incredible. President usually goes, or some high level yeah um, cabinet member, and it transcends football, right? Like Army Navy for you guys in soccer was probably huge. Yeah, huge. Um, yeah. You know every sport at those schools like that is like you could you could lose every single game that you play at one of those schools except for one. If you if you go zero for twenty five or one for twenty five and that one win is against Army, like you, it doesn't matter. Successful season. Successful yeah, season. Yeah, no, it is. You you can get like, uh, I remember, you know, when they beat Army lost. I think it was fourteen years in a row to Navy, and when they finally beat them, like I was there. Like all these privileges, like you, you know, room inspections are canceled and extra passes <laughs> and like even like I think it's gone as far as like exams have been like canceled before. Wow. So it's like it means a lot. It means well, a I'm lot sold. to schools. Yeah. So yeah. Let's you go go. Mine, you should come. Yeah. We'll, we'll go. Yeah. Great. I'm going. Let's I, do it. I already got plans to go this year. So. Yeah, it's in. It's I'm in. in. It's, it's in Philly. Philly. Yeah, it's in Philly. <laughs> yeah, it's in Philly. So MVC. Philly is a, so fun too. When it's in it's Philly, great place to be. Uh, yeah, awesome. Really fun. Just to wrap up, is is there anything we didn't ask you that you wanted to share about your experience? All I'll say is, um, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, I one of the good things about being at Stern is we're all really approachable. So, to any of my classmates or future classmates out there listening, like, I'm more than happy to go grab a cup of coffee or or sit down over lunch, and you can berate me with any questions you have. Um, I love talking about my experience. I didn't leave the Marine Corps because I hated it. I left the Marine Corps because it couldn't give me what I wanted anymore, um, which was a little bit more control over over the things I did and where I lived. Um, so I love my time in the Marine Corps. I love being a Marine. Uh, you know, they, I get a lot of people are like, oh, were, were you a Marine? And I'm like, technically, yes, I was, but, like, I still am. Like, deep down in my soul, it's who I am. Um, like, once a Marine, always a Marine is, like, the corniest saying, but, like, it's real. Like I'm going to Marine Corps, Marine Corps birthday ball celebration at uh, in next week on November 10th, which is our birthday, at a steakhouse in New York City with like 350 plus other Marine Corps veterans from around the New York City area. Like we're the only service that does that. So very very proud of of what I did, and uh, I'm more than happy to talk to anyone about it. Hopefully, there's no marketing exam the next day. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> that Alter, happened it, last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I emailed Professor Alter and I was like, I have this thing. We're going to be really out late. He's like, you could take it with the afternoon class. I'm like, all right, thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, just to kind of close up, same thoughts, like super proud of my time in service. Um, didn't get out because I like hated it per se. It's just, it's a very um, hard lifestyle to sustain over time. And it's like anybody that's able to do it for 20 years, like I applaud them every single time. Like that's like the most incredible thing. Cause we need people like that. Um, and I have friends who are definitely planning on doing that. And so like, I'm just super grateful 
to know people like that that are willing to to do that stuff and you know I'm I'm proud that I did it as well and same thing as Andy like I again I haven't met that many people outside of the military so like I'm still like learning what it's like like about all these different people from Stern so like I'm always down to talk to anybody and and learn about like who they are where they come from why they're different because again I've only been conversing with the same type of person for the last 11 12 years so um yeah great experience super grateful for it so excited to be at stern move on to the next portion of my life awesome thanks for coming on guys no thanks yeah this is awesome awesome. thanks for having us thank you maya mark